everybody, welcome back to the Wisdom Collective. I am so excited for you to meet our next guest, someone named Mandeep Singh. Now, Mandeep is a visual artist who got his start in, in a lot of the typical ways a young artist might nowadays through social media primarily when he experienced a bit of a viral moment. Some of his pieces began exploding, being featured and voted up onto the homepage of Reddit and also having a number of journalists and people reach out to him about wanting to discover what was going on in his art. And we'll dive into more of that in this interview, but just to give you a little bit of a teaser, we talk about how he is infusing these stoic principles and ideas that really the philosophy of stoicism into his visual art. And he has this incredible gift to talk specifically about this idea of memento mori as well as other stoic principles as well. And so you're gonna to get to hear a lot about that. You're gonna to, going to get to hear about his and my philosophy of art, uh, whether or not we think there are bad forms of art or not. Spoiler alert, there is, and it's modern art, and you'll hear more about that later. But uh, we're gonna be talking about many different things from beauty and meaning and purpose and all the rest, but in particular, how he is infusing this idea of stoicism, this beautiful and ancient philosophy into his art. So I hope you enjoy the show. Again, subscribe, rate, rank, whatever it is you guys do on whatever platform you're listening to this on or watching. But I would strongly encourage you that if you are listening on the audio version, that you try to watch this on YouTube because we're gonna be featuring his art in the video. And even if you don't do that, just follow him on social media. All of the tags will be included in the show notes and at the end of the show. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks again for joining us. Hey, Mandeep, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Adam? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to Mandeep. Um, I, I started following you, uh, honestly, just on social media. Uh, maybe two, three years, maybe two and a half years ago or so. And then yeah. we started dialoguing back and forth a bit. Um, but I wanted to introduce you to some folks because you have a really fascinating and interesting um, style of art uh, in the first place. But then you are, uh, you're really gifted at infusing, even your captions are fun to read, but you're infusing into your art this uh, ancient philosophy of stoicism, um, and specifically memento mori. And so I want to get into yeah. that. But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit about you. Uh, what, yeah, are you sure. what are you up to? What are you doing? Well, so I'm originally from Malaysia. And um, that's pretty much where I lived my entire life up till pretty much last year, actually. Okay. So, yeah. Um, my yeah, entire life's back in Malaysia. I did my degree in chemical engineering. And pretty much a month later, I moved over here to Melbourne, Australia. And I've been doing my master's here. Yeah. You like it? How do you yeah. like it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I hated my bachelor's, but I do love doing what I'm doing right now. Um, yeah. What are you studying up right now? Yeah. So basically what I'm doing right now is uh, my master's in environment and sustainability and I'm uh, majoring in environmental security. So that's basically stuff like climate science, water security, mm -hmm. biodiversity, uh, and stuff like that yeah. so it's a much bigger passion of mine which i'm very lucky to be able to pursue yeah no kidding yeah we've talked about like just the overlapping of passion and uh your yeah. kind of five is like that's a sweet spot so if you can do that yeah 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 so um obviously though like how i got connected to you was not um bioengineering or anything like that you know, <laughs> yeah. bioscience so or actually 
let's back up. Do you know about Boy and Slot and some of the work they're doing with that ocean cleanup project? Oh, no. Um, I can't you gotta, say I'm familiar. This is just like a shout out. People need to like look into that because uh, it's, he built it off of, uh, he modeled this um, whole system and apparatus. Honestly, the initial observation he was making was observing stingrays. And he wasn't like a, a trained professional going into it, but he observed how they right. swim and move water underneath themselves. Right. Okay. Thought, Couldn't we do that in a way where we could be picking up because of the way the water uh, cycles underneath them? And we could pick up the microplastics and larger plastics and things like that. And he's been uh, setting up in rivers in, I believe there might be one in Malaysia. It's on the books. Um, he's right. Okay. And a few different countries um, in South America and North America as well. But also uh, he has an ocean project for the, uh, I'm forgetting what that is, but that massive plastic that's just floating out there in the ocean. Right. All oh, right. Um, that's, it's the, giant garbage patch yes. um that's yeah. like what three times the size of france or something unbelievable right yeah so it's all about just uh cycling that stuff in and then it's it's not just like cool now we can put it in a hole in the ground he's got like whole trains of recycling setups and everything so right. everything's getting reused and it's it's uh it's unreal yeah that's awesome i'm definitely gonna have to check that out yeah it's so good anyway well I love I love all that, and we may even get into some of the green stuff because your arts overlap with that in some ways. But how did you get into art in the first place? What's what that's a oh, well, for you, but it's kind of like a side hustle, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so basically, it all started. I'm 24 years old now. Actually, just turned 24 a few days ago. And happy birthday! Uh, thanks. And I basically got started in art when I was two years old, if I'm not mistaken. It's like the story my family just loves to tell. So I used to be this really hyperactive kid, like very destructive, you know, run around breaking things. Oh, yeah. um, just very hard to control in general. So one day my dad, I was with my dad and he was like, you know what? Um, I don't want to deal with all this right now. I've got work to do. Why don't you just sit here in front of this computer and start um, drawing on Microsoft Paint, right? So yeah. then he showed me some of the basics, like putting together all these shapes and stuff like that. Yeah. And... Yeah, so he was like, okay, here, you can make a dinosaur by just using a circle for the head, a, recta a bigger circle for the body, maybe a triangle for the tail, you know, yeah. just putting yeah. these shapes together to make animals and stuff like that. Yeah. And it pretty much just snowballed from there. My parents were very supportive in the sense that they, no matter how bad what I drew was, at the time I was two years old, right? Right, right, right. They'd always, yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd act like, I just painted the Mona Lisa or something, you know, and that, yeah, yeah. and that really gave me the confidence to just keep at it. I guess I lived off the praise in the beginning and right. you know, yeah. So it instilled like this confidence in me that what I'm doing with art is really good, even though it might not have been. And so I kept at it and you know how it goes. The more you practice something, the better you get, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, some and people have that natural knack and skill, but yeah, you can practice your way into being at least decent at something, and you're better than that. You yeah, have natural skill too that's like really showing up for sure. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But yeah, honestly, it was pretty much a lot of practice over a long time, mm -hmm. and I think the whole support system I had, where they were always, you know, just really supportive, and um, they they would never say anything bad about the art that I made, mm -hmm. and they'd pick out all the good things about it and, you know, focus in on those. Yep. And 
yeah, that just really gave me the confidence to keep going. And it kind of like calmed me down a bit as well because now I had something to focus on and <laughs> like instead of destroying. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So yeah, so, so that's pretty much how I got started. You've since graduated from Microsoft Paint though. So what's your style? What's yeah. your, what do you, what do you, what kind of art are you making now? It's a pretty so, unique look. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, the art that I'm most, um, oops, sorry, my alarm just started ringing for some reason. It's okay. Yeah. So basically, um, the art that I'm most well known for, I suppose, on Instagram is um, pointillism, right? So I... Yeah, explain that. These, what is that? So I do this thing where instead of shading with just say a pencil or cross hatching where you draw lines and like you overlap lines to make areas look darker. Yeah. I do this thing where I use, I, I shade the entire drawing solely with dots, like thousands of dots. Right. Yeah, and yeah. how it basically works is it's sort of like a perspective thing. When you place more dots in a concentrated area, it appears darker. Right, right. When right. you kind of look at it from um, far away. So I've been doing a lot of that um, lately, especially on Instagram. Okay. But I've pretty much dabbled in all sorts of art. I paint as well, um, um, draw, I do sculptures now. Uh, yeah, I've been pretty much trying my hand at everything. But as, but as far as Instagram goes, that's what I'm most known for. Yeah, the that's selling and known for the, yeah. Sure. yeah and uh how long does it take to do that i mean it's it's oh. i mean if you're doing just dots for everything yeah so um i don't know if you've noticed but i used to post a lot especially in the beginning i'm guessing when you started following me you used to post like once a day yeah. and now i post maybe once every couple of weeks because of just you know school stresses and stuff yeah it's each drawing, depending on the size, can take around eight hours to do. Because like there's just yeah. so many dots, right? Yeah. It's, if, it would be easier if I just shaded, but like with the dots, it takes ages to finish. So sometimes I just don't really have the time to um, spend eight hours a day, you know, drawing something. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so it depends. It usually goes between four to eight hours, but at least four. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's beautiful by the end, but that's an intense process for sure. Yeah. And, and how you got on notice for me, I mean, I don't remember if it was through social media, but I know there was a Forbes article on you and stuff. How did, how did yeah. your art, but then your art style kind of get out there um, in the first place? So basically what I, so this used to be my, my Instagram account was basically a private Instagram account. Okay. And one day I decided, you know, I don't really post private photos that much. And I really like to draw. And it was like a New Year's resolution for me where I said, I'm going to draw one thing a day, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so that's what I started doing. So I just started posting one photo a day. And um, it wasn't to get noticed or anything. It, I it just wanted to do something, you know? Yeah. And yeah. That, like, eventually I just... Commitment. Yeah, exactly, right? Just like build some discipline. This, this was like, um, this is actually part of this whole stoicism philosophy that I was trying to follow where I was trying to like instill some discipline into myself yeah. and follow through on something. And yeah, so basically I kept doing that. And one day I um, decided to try this very specific image where I think I drew um, Aristotle, if I'm not mistaken, okay. with 
like a slice taken out of his face and you could see like the skull where the slice was mm-hmm. and yeah just based i did that and a lot of people really liked it and i found it really fascinating as well it was like this really morbid kind of drawing yeah much more yeah. morbid than i've used to and so i decided hey you know what i'll do a few more of these they, they look kind of cool and yeah one day i drew perseus um with the head of medusa it's based on a very famous statue um i that hangs that that's installed in rome i think okay rome or yeah yeah and so i drew that and i posted it to his instagram and i posted it that night before going to bed onto reddit as well because a friend had told me to do it the next morning i woke up and i had around it had gone from like 0 to 24,000 i think Like just overnight. overnight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just overnight it was on the trending page. Like my friends um were like call, who don't follow me on Reddit or anything were texting <laughs> me and saying, "Hey, I saw your um uh, drawing on like the home page and stuff like that." Wow. And yeah, my inbox was pretty much flooded with all these messages and stuff. And one of them was the Forbes article. Yeah, this guy had uh, messaged me saying he really liked what I was doing and he wanted to talk more about it. in an article. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's talk more about some of what you guys get into there because it, it within it, it you found this style that's I mean arguably it's it's your own in some respects. I mean at least not the the style itself like you said it's a yeah. popular style but how you're utilizing that style it it seems unique to you um in a lot of respects and you found a cool way to articulate it. And so what you're doing you t- said you took the slash out but now you're trying to infuse you're not just doing the discipline of stoicism for yeah. your philosophy you're infusing it into your art so what are you doing there tell us about memento mori and how you're working that in and just what yeah. is memento mori let's start with that okay so um the whole mom- so like i said i was researching stoicism a lot and it's this whole philosophy philosophy about um i really like the philosophy because it preached it taught a very what i felt was a very important lesson about not letting things that you can't control affect you mm-hmm. and living like a virtuous life you know right and um as i the more i researched um stoicism <clears throat> sorry You're yeah fine. the more i researched stoicism um the i i kind of like went down all these different rabbit holes and one of them was memento mori right this whole concept that i mean it literally translate to, translates to remember that you must die Yeah. It's a whole philosophy built around pondering death. Right? And it can be kind of and, dark, so like what's the where are you going with that or what's the idea? Yeah, so and exactly, it's we it's we, when you first think about it or when so anybody first asks about memento mori, that you people immediately think about like this really dark, morbid thing, right? Where hey, like this person's just thinking about death. Whereas yeah. it's not really about that, right? the whole concept of memento mori is about remembering that you're mortal and that you will one day die that that day could very well be today right mm-hmm. so you need to live life as if every day were your last you should be doing things mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't be putting things off to tomorrow because there might not be a tomorrow you yeah. know yep yeah like i think um part of how i got into stoicism was through Marcus Aurelius I think we we talked about this yes and I was okay. reading his med- yeah. 
yeah, I was reading his um, book, Meditations, which, which was a private journal of his. Right. And he said something along the lines of, um, I'm, not par- I'm just paraphrasing. He said something along the lines of that um, we have to ponder death. Uh, no, that we have to remember that we are going to die. Yeah. And we should act and think um, accordingly. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's basically about living virtuously now because you, ca- uh, because you can't just keep pushing it to a different day because now is all you really have. The That's past right. is gone and the future is uncertain. Yeah. You know? Yep. So I really liked and I really connected to that philosophy of Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. I felt like it made me a better person today as opposed to like the procrastinator that I usually am, you know, just pushing things. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even um, um, my interactions with Memento Mori, um, I think our definitions would have just a ton of overlap from what you said there. Um, and yeah. my interactions with it, um, there's a lot of the things you're talking about, but especially as it, so that, that like, present reality is all you know and have a guarantee on right so the time um but there's also um so there's the living forward piece yeah soren kierkegaard talked about this idea actually not necessarily in respect to memento mori but he had this quote um and it's one of the only short quotes he has because pretty much everything else is wordy yeah (laughs) but yeah he says uh, the philosophers and at other points he said the historians but the idea is that the philosophers are absolutely right that you have to remember your past, you have to study your history. He said, but they oftentimes forget yep. that you also have to live forward at the same time. And you have yep. to live in that tension of looking back, learning, but also living yep. forward. And that's the idea of that virtue that you're talking about. Um, and, and you can't, you cannot um, go back into the past, but you can work out um, with a virtuous life, um, correcting mistakes from the past even, right? Yep. And so yeah, much just time, learning from your history. Yeah, so much in my yeah. thinking with that was as I meditated on, say, uh, my, my funeral, if it was today, you know, like, yeah, you know, think about it. Is, okay, so who's going to be there? And uh, if there's someone that's not there that should be there, why, why did I un- have some unresolved issue with them? Or how yes. do I sort yeah. that out? You know, it starts yeah, that's exactly it. not just my personal development, but my relational equity. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I've had a lot of experiences with it. Actually, Memento Mori, we talked about this before, that it actually helped me navigate cancer as I was going through that mm-hmm. and all the rest. And so, um, I mean, yep. thank you on the one hand for continuing to remind me about that through your art, honestly. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, um, I had no idea that I, that was something that I was doing, honestly, because for me, posting my art was just something I was doing. I, I rarely thought about like the impact that it might have had on people yeah so but yeah i'm glad that you really got something out of it honestly yeah 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 and i was able to buy one of your pieces i love it the canon yeah yeah you did yeah yeah that was actually one of my favorites as well oh it's a phenomenal piece um okay so uh I, i shared a little bit about my um interactions with and understanding memento mori and you shared a lot of your understanding but yeah other than like what I just shared that it has had a positive impact on me. Why are you trying to put that out there? And what's the purpose in, you got to have a reason for it, right? Right. Yeah. So basically there was this, um, so this is going back more to stoicism in general, um, as opposed to just memento mori. 
because uh, momentum mori is like a very specific part of sto uh, stoicism, right? Right. I personally haven't had any experiences where um, momentum more like I haven't had any actual life or death um, yeah. experiences, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, where that would apply. It's, this is more like a mental exercise that I've been doing that I found very helpful. Yeah. Because there were people who I was sort of like really close friends that I was estranged from because maybe we had like a misunderstanding or something a few years back and like we didn't speak for a while and mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? And ever since I adopted this whole mentality and this philosophy, I, yeah, exactly what you said, you know? Um, if I were to die today, who'd be there? And who I, and if they're not there, why aren't they there? Was exactly what I was thinking as well. Yeah. And I ended up reconnecting with all of these friends who are like, you know, who are who I'm now extremely close to again, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose like that's one way Momentum Mori has helped me in general. Yeah. But like with Stoicism in general, the reason I got into it was because in my second year of university. I think it was like my final semester, right? Yeah. And so we have like four subjects per semester. And I was, I, I was just in a really bad place in general. And I had like my first panic attack that semester wow. okay. as well. And, I, and it was because um, of this thing where I had thought that I failed the entire semester. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh no, if I failed, because my university had this thing where if you fail an entire semester, you go up again, you go up um, to a review board and stuff like that. And they kind of see. Maybe like an if you can, kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Because okay. yeah. it's like a STEM field as well. So you kind of need to have like a certain, like certain grades and stuff like that. I hadn't gotten my results so yet. Just, because of the competitive nature of the field and everything. Exactly. Yeah. I hadn't gotten my results yet. I, I think it was the day before I got my results. And I think somebody had um, posted on like the Facebook university group where if you do this one thing, you can like kind of um, figure out what you got. Like if you passed or failed, not exactly what you got, but if you, yeah. like, it's like you try to re-enroll in one of your subjects, right? And if they allow you to do it, then you kind of failed it because, okay. yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try to do that for some reason. And when I did it, it let me enroll in everything. Yeah. So I was like, oh no, I failed. And I had like a panic attack. And I was like, you know, I, I kind of wasted my parents' money and all these things were going in my head. Yeah. And when the results came out the next day, it turns out that hadn't happened at all, you know? Yeah. And, but that, the way I felt in that moment kind of made me go like, you know, even if I had failed, I couldn't change it because the exams are over. And yeah. I would have to face um, the music in a sense, right? Yeah. So I was like, I didn't ever want to feel that way again. I didn't want to uh, have this thing I can't control have so much of an effect on me. Yeah, you become a slave to it in some sense, right? Like it, it, it is exactly. power over you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's when I started like uh, trying to uh, basically research um, like a different way of maybe figure out a different way of thinking where I could accept these things more. And that's where the whole stoicism thing came about. And then momentum more was just like the next step forward. You know, it was yeah. just like the natural next step. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, I believe it's in Atomic Habits, but James Clear is the one who said it. He said that uh, the ability 
to not be offended is like a superpower because in yep. point there is just a, like whether it's an external event or a person mm-hmm. if you're and it that's a very like stoic like idea right but yeah inability to be offended all of a sudden gives you this superpower where like you're no longer mm-hmm. controlled not just by your own passions but you're no longer controlled by the weight and whims of others and, and i think some people take that too far where they never uh listen to a negative voice let's say or they they essentially only listen to the clappers and the people that say right yeah that's not good either but you can still listen to the negative voice but you're no longer taking it personal and being well yeah i am controlled by it right it's just totally different um yeah yeah no that's good because there because there was this other um because like um memento mori kind of goes back to the whole idea of impermanence right that nothing is permanent and that's sort of what also gives life meaning. The fact that this is the only amount of time you have, everything you do matters, right? Yeah. And um, going back to what you said about how, you know, um, some, when things are, yeah, li- listening to just the clappers is not a really great idea as well. Uh, falling into the spit of despair um, also isn't, right. yeah, Absolutely. yeah, it doesn't work, right? There was yeah. like this story that I really liked. This is, um, do you know the saying, this too shall pass? Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like the, the story behind that was, I think there was, I mean, the general story is that there was this monarch who basically wanted, who asked his wise man to inscribe something onto a ring for him okay. that would basically get him through the, uh, get him through anything. Right. And um, basically what the wise man came back with was he inscribed the words, this too shall pass onto the ring. So that every time the uh, monarch looked at his hand, he would remember that, hey, even things are really bad. Um, they're only bad now. It's not permanent. Yeah. A year from now, you're not, you're not really going to remember these things anymore. You yeah. know? But, when, but at the same time, when things were really good, it also reminded him that this is going to pass. Yeah, yeah. And, That's good. And that meant that you should really enjoy this moment because it's not going to last forever. Yeah. You know? And that goes back to the momentum Mori thing where you could die right now. So you should, at this, you should try to enjoy your life as much as you can. You should be a good person. You should, you know, make amends, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's phenomenal. Dude, this is a, well, this is going to be a great segue actually. I, or I think, are you familiar with the um, Pandora's box? Uh, yes. Mythology? Mm-hmm. share with everyone that's listening I actually did a drawing on pandora's box as well oh awesome that was one of the ones that i did yeah well yeah we'll definitely show that in the video version of this for sure so um for those listening and watching pandora's box if i could be brief um and there's different versions of it right but mm-hmm. um a simplistic version of it is um essentially the gods there's some gods trying to play a trick um on a rival god right and he knows that if he gives Pandora, uh, who is a wife, is that correct? Uh, this, um, or, yeah, or, right. Yeah, a wife. Um, there are some versions where one of the gods created Pandora. That's right. Well. But yeah, yeah there are just so many different true. versions. Yeah. So, but she's like an unwitting participant in this story mm-hmm. because they give her a box. They know she can't help herself. She's so inquisitive. Yeah. She's not going to be able to help herself. She's going to open this box. And the box is filled with all of these moths they come out and they touch the earth and all of creation with decay and death and pain and, mm-hmm. sickness and all these different things. Yeah. And uh, 
I find this fascinating because we say don't open Pandora's box. And it's one of these things, just like you were saying, with this too shall pass. And Mm -hmm. then we don't understand the underlying mythology that gives it so much meaning, which is that she she did end up opening the box, just like the God knew she would do. And what ends up happening is she's crying. Her husband comes over and says, what have you done? And he's frustrated and they're trying to figure it out. But they hear this voice kind of crying out for the box saying, let me out, let me out. I want out. And right. so they go yeah. over and they open this box and instead of a moth, out comes this butterfly and it starts touching everything with essentially the antithesis. So if it's despair, it touches something and gives it hope. Mm-hmm. And, it gives it, and then you yeah. realize, exactly. actually, I may not be able to appreciate love if I don't comprehend or know what hate feels like. I may not be able exactly. to appreciate hope if I don't. Yeah. And it totally changes. All of a sudden, it's like, don't open Pandora's box. It's like, I don't know if we could live a meaningful life without Pandora opening the box. You know what I yeah, mean? Because, yeah, there was no, I mean, who's to say there was any meaning to her life before she could feel or comprehend any of these Pride. things, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this gets into, so much of your art actually has uh, played with not only this stoic idea, but you've infused it with these um, really from all different epochs, these different mythologies. You've done Egyptian stuff. You've done... Greco-Roman yep. things. You've done a, a Jewish, let's say, and Judeo-Christian um, things mm-hmm. as well. Um, why is that? And what are you up to when you're doing that? You're, you're, you're definitely overlapping some really interesting things with the Memento yep. Mori and these immortal figures. And so what's going right. on? So basically the, the whole idea, the reason why I specifically focused on all these immortal figures and all these like um, myths and legends was because... Well, there were two reasons behind it. One was because um, that's what tend to, those images inspired me the most. Um, it's yeah. like just say Perseus with the head of Medusa. It's literally a statue that exists in real life. And I think it's such a beautiful statue, you know, um, the way um, it was made, the way, it, just the way it looks and makes you feel in a way, right? And every time I look at um, these images, like these ancient Greek statues and um, stuff like that, it makes me, it just fills me with some inspiration. And so that's one of the reasons why, that's like the basic reason why I pick these gods and stuff. But, the, but it goes beyond that to the point where, um, so these gods kind of represent eternal life, right? And um, they represent yeah, they represent beauty, eternal life, all good things, essentially, right? Yeah, I mean, in but, other ways, they represent um, transcendent things, right? Uh, transcendent exactly. ideas, but also reality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and but when, but with my art, when you kind of slice it away and you show this uh, red, bloody skeleton underneath, it kind of like contrasts this whole. Um, it contrasts the whole image of this, just say God with death which is not something you tend to associate with gods or immortal beings right Mm -hmm. so um i guess in a sense i was trying to say something along the lines of hey um even gods can die so like the whole memento mori thing even um these ancient um, beings and stuff they can die it's kind of like a very jarring image almost yeah right because yeah like i said you have this when you think of just say Zeus, you're like, oh, this all-powerful god, you know, hurling lightning bolts at people, 
right. you can't die. But at the same time, um, I, I, I don't know if you've ever um, thought about this, but there have been thousands of religions that came before the ones yeah. that exist today. That's right. Many of which aren't um, followed or worshipped anymore. So in a sense that these gods have died, right? right? Right. Yeah, we have a so, minimum, but we we understand, or we we no one is exactly uh, worshiping Zeus in the traditional sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So like, um, so it was pretty much just a bunch of these things coming together, um, and at the same time, I'm a huge fan of mythology, and I wanted to kind of make my I kind of wanted to give my platform a storytelling element as well. So there's the art, but in the caption, there's also like the whole mythology behind this figure that you see. So although I, like, I don't explicitly mention the whole memento mori thing every time, it's something you see, it's something you notice and you see every time you look at the image. But at the same time, you, I also get to explain the mythology behind yeah. the figure. You know? Yeah, you're no, I mean, so, yeah. you're doing a lot of them that are like, they're pretty culturally relevant in that, you know, Oh, well, at least a lot of the people like looking at your art would recognize, oh, that's Egyptian or whatever. But you did a Norse mythology one that was really fun because that's, yep. that's a very um, intricate and um, thoughtful mythology, but um, it's not as well, at, like, at the colloquial level, it's not as well like apprehended. Yep. No, uh, that was very fun. Very fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the Norse ones are, yeah. I, I think actually, yeah, uh, one of the ones I, the one I love, so, well, the one I like to do the most, mm -hmm. the like, it, it was Loki, the punishment of Loki. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love doing that one. That one took me three whole days, I think eight hours each day. It was like a really small one as well. It was this little A5 piece that I drew on, but it still took me three entire days because it, was, it wasn't just like the image of Loki. It was the entire background and everything all done yeah. with dots, right? Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah, um, the the Norse ones were great. I love doing those. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, honestly. And and there's something I well, I'm not gonna like take this into like a, a specifically Christian place too hard. But you, yeah, what was fascinating is it was again. I don't think it, I don't think it's what you meant to do at all. Um, and you haven't done any Jesus stuff, but it was the idea of like a two things actually. On the one hand, mm -hmm. like God's do die in some respect and Nietzsche has his, his phenomenal quote yep. about that right God's dead and we've mm -hmm. killed him yes triumphal thing either it's like a tragic thing in that yep. our meaning making structure might be gone and this could be mm -hmm. bad yeah uh, and so in that respect gods do tend to die it's not always good and <laughs> whatever yeah the, uh, what's interesting is that the I don't know if we call it the phenomenological but the underlying the meaning making structures in the participation in some of that it still does end up manifesting in some ways because even within the greco-roman world there were there was almost a division in that there was those that were more in an urban um, environment tended to take yeah. a little bit more of a um oh well we don't necessarily believe in the gods but we believe in the principles and the virtues they're instilling right. so, and these are like helpful yeah. fiction it was like a more agnostic um yeah point of view Correct. So they're like, these are useful fictions and they're great at teaching us about, okay, could I ever know hope without knowing despair? Probably not. Yeah. This is good. Um, but then uh, out in the countryside, especially there, 
there mm-hmm. really was uh, altars and, sac- and lots of things happening, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's true. For them, it certainly died, but especially in that psychological understanding of some of these mythologies, that, that kind of carries on or persists. Because a lot of that's yeah. deep human, which kind of gets into the memento mori piece of cutting them open, right? Um, but the other side where I was promising I wouldn't get too obnoxiously Christian with it is that idea <laughs> like the, the at the incarnation God enters into the story and uh it, and he does die right it's insane yeah. it's 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 yeah, exactly. contrarian um stories as far as mythologies go and it's not dying and rising gods blah 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 all that sure there's mm-hmm. plenty of that across the world but the idea of God entering in and dying uh, on behalf of uh, another it's on a behalf of a lesser it's just a right fascinating yeah. uh, idea and so anyway your art had me like definitely kicking around on this idea of the incarnation as well um, even when it wasn't specifically a Jesus thing I mean it's a Norse mythology and I'm reading about Loki and learning a little but right it's making me think yeah because like I think that's like the whole point of art right um what I set out to do is not necessarily what other people might get from it. But that, I think that's just, but I feel like any point of view on any art, even when it goes against or um, doesn't um, like align with what the artist intended mm-hmm. st- is still a very valid point. Right. Yeah. Because what I, you're right. I hadn't considered what you were saying when I was doing these things, but right it's now that I'm thinking about it, that you brought it up, it's extremely valid because it does make sense. Yeah. yeah. You know? No, it does. Let's, yeah. let's, keep, let's keep like digging into that. So what's the, you have, um, you have a specific purpose, like we said, stylistically with what you're doing and some of the philosophy you're infusing, but more broadly speaking, what's your impression of like, as far as art, um, it's hard to say this, but, what you said is true. It's, there's a weird tension that exists. What you said is true in that you put something out there, you might have a purpose about it, and then it yeah. gets these little nested or rabbit trail purposes that come off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of up to the beholder or the participant. Yeah. So there's a give and take between artist and beholder. But beauty in art, it, it can't just be in the eye of the beholder because there's only certain things that like transfix us. Like you said, like that statue in Rome, like it, it really, it grabs your attention. You're not going to talk about the raise you just got at your job. You're going to shut your mouth and just yep. be awe, you know? And so right. what is like, what's the interplay there? How do we figure this out? I mean, is, is beauty or art like in the eye of the beholder or is it not? And how do you, what are you, what are you guys doing for artists? Like what's your yeah. job? See, yeah, that's a very complicated question. Um, And I I feel like there's no easy answer for it either. I don't know if an answer exists for um, a question like that, right? Because the whole concept of art, like art by its very definition is extremely subjective, right? Mm -hmm. So um, what one person finds beautiful might not necessarily be what the other person finds beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. But there, I, I feel like there definitely is some underlying element like you mentioned that um that kind of that plays right under the surface yeah you know that kind of grabs your attention um whether you and I, I i don't know if it's beauty um per se because something that a piece of art that is not necessarily what i might find beautiful 
might still grab my attention yes. and I might still, it might still get me thinking, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas you might find that piece of art extremely beautiful and it would also get you thinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if beauty has a place in art. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if um, art necessarily needs to be beautiful. And at the same time, I'm not sure about what that underlying thing is that kind of pulls you in and grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like a very, it's, it's really subjective, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they, even they, me as, Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, even me as an artist, I, I could not tell you what it is that really, you know, uh, yeah, what that uh, phenomena really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There is um, a quote I heard and um, someone said, I'm summarizing what they actually said. They were yeah. kind of pontificating a bit, but essentially they were saying that a piece of truly good art, it could be sculpture, like some of the things you're dabbling in or painting or um, other illustrate, illustrative stuff. But it, when it's really good art, it's a, a gateway into something transcendent. And so, or yeah. you can say underneath, like you were saying too. I mean, I think the principle is the same. Yeah. Uh, and so there's this weird interplay between, yeah, it's hard to say what exactly it is, but it's almost like there's an objective reality that's being interacted with and it's being subjectively appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and participated in even, you know, not just yeah. appreciated. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, because uh, there's something, yeah, there's something to it. I mean, every culture is in the oldest versions of culture and society have always had some sort of art. There's something about it where it's not, and it's doing that, but it's also inviting you. And that's where I think true art, it's inviting you not just into something transcendent, but uh, mm-hmm. a story of sorts and even some of those. Yeah. Um, whether it's purely psychological, whatever, some of those underlying things within those mythologies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, exactly. I completely agree. Yeah. So uh, in your opinion, then, I mean, you're, you're putting art out there. um, And we talked about a lot of the purpose that you have, but is there, do you have an opinion about the role that art should play in society and the role it does or doesn't play or all the rest? Well, um, well, as for the role it does play, I think, I think art is extremely important. I mean, obviously I'd uh, say so. Yeah. And it's important for many reasons. Um, one thing is art has like this ability to connect people. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like one of the, that's what, that's the purpose of art in a sense. It connects people. It transcends language in a way. Anyone from anywhere in the world um, doesn't matter your culture your upbringing they can look at a piece of art they can get something from it you know it yeah it basically um communicates ideas to you to uh, from artist to uh, beholder or between beholders it starts discussions you know yeah yeah uh, and i think that's the role that art currently plays in the world right? Um, it, it communicates these really abstract ideas because like there are many different forms of art and sure. even within just say painting alone, there are many different um, forms of painting. You know, there were the Impressionists, there was um, Picasso with Cubism and stuff like that. And yeah. 
yeah, and people looking at these paintings, they almost always tend to walk away with something, you know, like having learned something despite the painting not being able to speak to you. Or being able to take it with you or whatever, even, right? Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. Sure. It kind of like uh, any painting, just say if I were to walk into um, the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art in New yep. York, and if I had um, come face to face with Van Gogh's Starry Night, right? Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite paintings of all time. I've actually recreated it like a few times as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, if I came um, in front of it, I know I get something from it. Like that moment in time is going to be something that kind of leaves its mark on my soul. If you, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm get, I'm with you. Yeah. And there's a weird interchange there. There's this, um, there's this practice and principle within honestly, most religions of like memorization and in, in pre-literate cultures, memorization was so well, it was much easier than today. You know, yeah. our brains, there's like a, you know, it's within game theory and other things, but basically our brains know that we don't have to memorize things because we can look it up yeah. on our phone or it's written in a book or whatever. So literacy actually destroyed our memory. <laughs> so crazy. But, right, uh, yeah. It, it really did. And so anyway, um, but there's this principle in pre-literate cultures where, you know, they do their storytelling on religion and um, the idea it was so cool. You memorized it so that you could take it with you. It was locked in a scroll in some room being protected from fire and whatever, you know, and decay. Right. But when you memorized it, all of a sudden you take that story with you and you're not just taking it with you, you're participating in it. Like it's right. Yeah. like the scroll is in you, so to speak, or the tablet. Yeah. Or whatever. You're like a living version of that scroll. Yeah. And I, I feel like art yeah. can, well, I, I certainly believe art can do that in its own mm -hmm. way where all of a sudden, like, yeah, you, you, you'll never be able to buy the Mona Lisa, right? Like, it's just, it's there. You, you, can, you yeah. can look at it. That's about all you can do. But it's not all you can do because you can take something with you from it, if you will, um, if you really participate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah. So let's, uh, I mean, I'm going to try and ask you like a tougher thing, though, and like push your hand a little bit. Mm -hmm. like, are there versions sure. of art that you're like, that's not art, that sucks? <laughs> or um, you can, I mean, and it could be just your opinion too, but. Yeah. Um, so I've been in discussions about art before. And so I've always, I, I feel like you need to, so I feel like one of the things that art needs to do is it needs to impart something onto you mm -hmm. as a person, right? So when you look at um, a piece of art or, you know, whatever it is, and if you gain something from it, and if it like profoundly affects you in some sort of way, it is in some form art. But then again, that description is so vague that you could apply that to almost anything like a microwave could uh, essentially <laughs> yeah. impart something onto you. You could feel something um, based on the design of this, Right. Uh, yeah, cubic microwave, right? And I, I don't know, does that make it art? Um, does art need to be intentional? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, no, um, that's a good question. Yeah, that's, yeah, so um, I don't know. I, I've always been of the opinion that art has to be 
um, intentional and that it needs to impart something onto you. Okay. Right. So yeah. I, I feel like not everything can be art. Saying everything is art kind of diminishes um, the meaning of um, what art really is, yeah. I suppose. Right. But sure, yeah. you can find meaning from anything in life, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's art, you know? Yeah, no, I'm following you. Yeah. yeah sure. So I yeah. don't know if I can think of any specific thing, but I do know that I, I personally don't believe that everything is art within itself. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And there's something like, um, well, the intention idea for sure. And in so much of, well, I want to talk about like where you think art is today. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know how viable it is. There's the uh, stereotype of a starving artist is it's a reality. <laughs> not just like, yeah. <laughs> like a, Oh, a lot of people. It's like, that just is, there's almost no artist that, uh, for all the people that are doing art to make it is almost yeah. impossible. It's a sad yeah, I, or whatever. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I feel like there's so many talented artists out there, right? And but it it's to the point now where I think the whole art industry even is sat oversaturated with mm -hmm. the number of artists there are, right? Because yeah. um and it becomes this thing of where there's so many of them where and even the good ones who are like extremely good who have worked at it for their entire lives even right they yeah. never make it or they kind of like li go on living in obscurity even yeah. some of the great artists of the past like um i'm gonna just go back to van gogh again yeah. um yeah he lived his entire life in obscurity right and it was only after he died where he truly became um famous he was one of the first um was he an i think impressionist or post impressionist i'm not really too sure right now but yeah 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 right so he was uh one of the great impressionists of his time but when he was alive his art wasn't appreciated because it um i can't remember what um art movement it was before impressionism but that's where everyone was at and he was a little ahead of his time mm -hmm. right so um and he ended up dying in obscurity right and only when the whole impressionism movement came in suddenly everyone valued his work and i guess it, the same can go with artists today there are many different types of artists some people who might be ahead of their time even some people who are extremely talented or gifted but they never end up making it because part of life as an artist now is luck like a, a big part of it is like just getting lucky, right? Like yep. I know, um, your, me, your Reddit hit, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, you could exactly. have put that out the day before and like some political thing happened and all of a sudden, exactly. Carried, right. Yeah. Cause right. like, um, I mean like I don't have that many followers compared to other artists on Instagram and stuff, but still I had, um, a decent ish amount. Right. Yeah. Like I, and the only reason that happened was because I posted that one um, photo to Reddit. And the craziest thing was with Perseus, uh, with the head of Medusa, right? Yeah. I was, I remember now exactly where I was when I drew it. I was at my internship. I think it was my second last day. 
yeah. I sat down in the office and I had like literally no work to do. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to try finishing up this drawing, right? I yeah. finished drawing it, went home, posted it, went to sleep the next morning that had happened. And yeah, it was literally, if I had posted it, like, I, like you said, the day before or the day after, that might not have happened. Yeah. You know, right. I just got extremely lucky. And I think that's part of it, right? You have to be um, talented somewhat and you have to get lucky as well. Yeah. Because there are many, many artists out there who are really talented who never get lucky. Yeah. No, right? that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because like, yeah, I, I'll come across artists online and, and, um, and they're not just copy and pasting other people's art. Like it's very original stuff and they have like yeah. almost no followers or whatever, like on yeah. social, let's say they have like no followers. But I'm like, this is such good stuff, you know? Exactly, right. Yeah, because it's so oversaturated that like, um, just say Inst Instagram's a great platform to share your art, right? Because you now don't have to go um, after galleries and stuff and yet you don't have to pay galleries to get yourself exhibited. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You can just post your art online and, and millions of people can see it. But the thing is, that's what millions of artists are doing the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. So um, the second you post something, I, I noticed this um, very early on before um like i blew up on reddit and stuff i was growing at a very normal rate mm -hmm. right like a very consistent rate and every time i would post something and i'd just say tap on that hashtag within second like you just go to the recent um tab on in ha under hashtags yeah. right yeah you put every couple of seconds somebody's posting something Jeez. and yeah, yeah you're, you're gonna get drowned out really quickly so yeah. you just need to get so you just need to get noticed somehow. Like one piece needs to get noticed and suddenly, boom, your name's like out there, you know? Like yeah. suddenly all these opportunities are coming your way. Yeah. No, but there's a huge deal of luck. In it. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll tell you this, this may be trying to say too many things at the same time, so I hope it doesn't get confusing, but. Right. <laughs> but what you're, what you, for all the things we said before about your art, um, you talked about, I'm not saying you're Van Gogh, but you talked about like being ahead of your time or being outside of the, uh, what's happening in, right. in the world, let's say. What's so cool is that there's just so much art, especially visual art, and, and, and now the digital art is such a thing. There's yep. so much there on, especially on a platform like Instagram, that sort of instigates um, fast art, let's say. Yeah. And um, what's so cool is like, I can get into a phase of just scrolling through stuff, right? Right. Uh, and, and even scrolling through like an art hashtag, let's say, and just scrolling through. But yours in, in particular, it, it makes me pause. And then you put the effort into the caption, obviously, that helps me like participate a little bit more. But that, there's something about that where art should be a, a place to slow down. But the oversaturation Ooh. plus the medium of, uh, not, I mean, any online medium is showing art for the most part. It's kind of a get through it until you get a dopaminergic hit and then you stop. Right. Yeah. And uh, yours is good because it's actually forcing the pause. In my opinion, at least it's forcing the pause and then that interaction and maybe taking something with you, like you talked about it's Right. Um, it, you know, I asked you if some art sucks. I, modern art to me sucks in a lot of ways. And <laughs> so you you look at modern art sucks because it it's like a metaphor in my opinion it's a mm -hmm. metaphor for um, 
what it is, which is essentially like, <laughs> this is too harsh to say, it's like useless <laughs> in some respect because if you can yep. buy modern art, let's say from Target and you hang it on your wall, it's not art because you hung it on the wall. And it's especially not art if in mm -hmm. 12 months to 36 months, you're actually not gonna care if it's a goodwill or the garbage or whatever. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, so it's, it's, uh, it's wasteful in some sense or useless in some sense because anyone could make it, right? That's part of it. Yep. But it's so simple and simplistic and it, by, it tugs at our minimalism desires. But then it's right. like, yeah it's actually anti-minimalism because it's going to be filling trash heaps. Like, yeah, that's good. World. Yeah. That's a very good point. It's like, ah, yeah, I, man. And then that's where, again, I can find that stuff on social or on an art forum. No problem. But then yours is it's a nice respite slash pause. And so, yeah, thanks for disrupting the cacophony of <laughs> other things. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I do agree with you. Okay. Yeah. The modern art thing, um, is something I definitely agree with because I have um, felt that way about um, a lot of modern art pieces that I've seen, which have been extremely simple. I, I mean, I've, um, I've, I think I listened to this TED talk that kind of talked about why modern art, you, you know, when you look at something, you'll be like, you can be like, oh, hey, I could do that. Right. Or yeah, like sure, sure. My, my kid could do that. It's like <laughs> this white canvas with a line going through it or something, yeah. which goes for like thousands of dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. And I uh, remember watching this Ted talk that talked about why that's still worth uh, like why, even though anyone can do it, it's still like art or why it's still worth something. I don't remember exactly what the reasons were now. I'm yeah. definitely going to look it up again. Yeah. But then there were also all these um, videos and um, like documentaries and stuff that talk about how um, galleries and stuff are kind of controlling um, which artists get famous or like which art goes for more money and stuff like that. Well, where it they kind of like, like there's a weird marketing art marriage that's happening. Yes, exactly. Like, it's like where they buy up all this art from just say this one artist, right? Mm -hmm. And they put out one piece every couple of years and suddenly it's really exclusive and that like kind of that makes the price of this art skyrocket right yeah even yeah, though yeah. it may or may not mean anything it may not even be good but because it's exclusive it's and yeah that's like the whole marketing thing right people yeah. want something that um is exclusive you're paying for the exclusivity as opposed to the art yes and it taps into our this is where I was saying, and it sounds like we're getting there, so maybe it wasn't too complicated, but the idea of like that social media vibe, there's, it's a, you're feeding the FOMO, so to speak, that fear of missing out, mm -hmm. so you're feeding the FOMO, and now there's like, even though it's a banana taped on a wall, everyone's like, well, I don't want to miss yeah. out on the moment, you know, I don't want yeah. to miss out on the moment, so I, I gotta, maybe I'm just too dumb to get it, but there's gotta be something there, and it's like, maybe it's just dumb, you know, like, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the experience, yeah. Yeah, and so it's a. I don't know. It's um. It again, not and you're right. There are some modern art pieces that could be sublime or well enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, by and large, that the mode or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. It, um, it communicates meaninglessness, and then when I look at it or I try and interact with it, I'm like, this feels kind of meaningless, you know? Yeah. Mission accomplished yeah. or mission accomplished? I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but like. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you there 
Yeah. Uh, for some reason, yeah. I don't know if this says anything, but when you when you asked me the question if like, there was any specific art that I could think of that I wouldn't consider art, modern yeah. art hadn't even crossed my mind. I was like going through all the different types of art that I like and yeah, stuff, yeah. but modern art didn't even like yeah. It that thought didn't even cross my mind. So I don't know what that says um, for me and like my opinion on modern art and stuff. But yeah, yeah I I do agree with you that. Um, oh, sorry about that. That a lot of, um, yeah, like, I, I, the exact kind of pieces that you're talking about, you know, those very overly simplistic, there's no real meaning that you can glean from it kind of pieces. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They don't really mean anything. And I don't know if I would consider that like art truly. Right. Right. It, it, yeah. It blurs those lines between, like I said, marketing and, uh, and it, yeah. It just feeds yeah. the fire of consumerism as opposed to pausing and slowing yeah, down. Yeah, because like, that's like the whole point of marketing, right? You want to get people to buy something that it, it doesn't matter if they need it or not. You're just trying to get people to buy something. Right. 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 So uh, with that type of art, I, mean, I suppose you could, yeah, it was like the whole banana with the duct tape thing, right? Yeah, right. And right. You, can, you can market that and people will pay for it and buy it. But mm -hmm. it's literally just a banana taped to a wall. That means nothing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, so talking about that, this is good. So this kind of will lead us to a bit of a wrap up. Yeah. Whether it's because of frustrations, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're as frustrated as me maybe about that, that part of art or modern art. <laughs> uh, but the, um, what, what causes artists in general or you in particular, do you feel like burnout, whether it's frustration with, uh, you feel like you're doing something with intentionality and making something good and then it's not cashing out or yeah. you get pigeonholed into a style of art. Like, have you experienced yeah. burnout or what do you, what do you, Oh have? yeah. All the time. Um, so when I started off with this specific Memento Mori art style, right. I was very into it. I loved doing it. I would put stuff on hold because I'd be like, Hey, I'm just going to draw for eight hours today. Or like yeah. I'd sleep really late. Cause I'm like, I'm going to draw for eight hours today. I'm going to post this tomorrow. Then I'm going to do the same thing the next day, you know? And yeah. I would be doing that so often that it got to the point where I felt like, oh, you know, I just really don't feel like drawing the same thing anymore. I don't know if it still means as much when I've done the same thing like 70 times, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like the message isn't changing, but at this point it's more like, hey, I'm just getting the myth and like these stories out there through right. my art, right? But like the whole slash with um, like the exposed skeleton thing, I don't know if it personally means as much anymore because that's not changing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. just keep spousing this whole, hey, Memento Mori, Memento Mori, like a hundred times and like expect people to still keep coming back to it. Yeah, yeah. And like, because like you can only get so much of the same thing, right? Right. Like people need to switch it up. But at the same time, like there's this, thing with Instagram where, or, or maybe social media in general, where you get so addicted to the, say, just say like the likes or mm. um, how well a post is doing. And I, I've definitely felt that because I would legitimately sometimes feel bad when a, one of my posts didn't do as well as I thought it would, you know, yes. like this is before I've since grown out of it. But yeah, in the beginning, if just say it hadn't hit this number by this time, I'd be like, oh, you know, 
crap, I spent, I just wasted eight hours. Yeah, but yeah, sure. Yeah, like I would still get messages from people like every day saying like, oh, I did really love this piece or this meant something to them and stuff like that. And, but for me, it was more like just about the numbers. Like I'm not growing at this rate. I'm, um, you know, it's this or that, or, hey, I have university, but I also, at the same time, I'm kind of addicted to the, the you know, just the likes and the whole social media of it you know so yeah that used to like get me in a very weird place um mentally with art and i'm the kind of person that likes to try many different things so when i was doing the same pointillism with the slash thing over and over and over again it really burnt me out uh, and that's when my um updating schedule kind of got like um slower because i realized that hey i can't keep sustaining this right yeah if i keep doing this then i'm gonna really end up hating it and i really do love this type of drawing because i feel it's it's just so morbid and it catches your eye right but if i kept doing it i'm gonna end up hating it so i decided to just take a break and focus on other things um like other forms of art so um and like in the twilight area of when I decided to do this like where I decided to move away from drawing this style as much I even did some sculptures my first sculpture was actually exactly um my style of drawing except like a real life version of it it was like a style yeah yeah yeah, I don't know if you've seen it I have it like right back here if you want me to show you guys but yeah um, it was like yeah it was literally I think it was um the goddess Artemis and I had this one friend from Canada who, um, Adam Sprints, and like he actually got in contact with me through social media. And he, yeah, he was a really nice guy. He, he 3D printed a life-size skull and he sent it to me. Yeah, so then I got some clay together and this was my first time working with clay and I ended up making this statue, like say, this sculpture of like a head and in the same style where it's like cut away. So like the bottom part is a skull, whereas the top is, yeah. You have, so- and, do you have that picture on your social? I'll, I'll plug it on the video. Yeah, actually, I do have um, the picture. Yeah, you can just find it. I'll send you I'll, pictures as well. And I'll, yeah, I'll put it in the video for sure. That's, yeah. That's not yeah, nice. so basically, and, um, but since then, I'm like, I, I don't want to do the same thing as much. I don't want to pigeonhole myself more than I already have, you sure. know? Yeah, so yeah. now I've been focusing on art outside of Instagram, where, and I haven't been sharing it as much, but, I, I feel like I need to get back to the point where it's, it w- I'm doing it for me as opposed to I'm doing it for other people. Yeah. You know, like just reconnect with that part of myself. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Instagram is um, because I built my following around this whole Memento Mori thing, when I post something that isn't Memento Mori related, it kind of does really badly and stuff like that. And that kind of just reinforces in my head like, oh crap, I need to start doing this again. Yeah, but at the same time, I've done it so much that it just—it's not going to be doing as well as it would have in like the peak of yeah. my, you know, momentum mori phase. And then your why is changing, right? Like, why am I? Yeah, doing exactly. Purpose. Yeah, so I'm, so ever since I've been like, okay, you know what? There's, um, just I'm just gonna reconnect with my roots and you know forget about it. Like it was never about the likes to begin with. It just became that way at some point. So mm-hmm. I decided to move away from it and now I'm in like a much better place artistically. Yeah. 
but yeah, yeah. It seems like artists have to go through those ebbs and flows of um the why obviously you know like what the yeah. purpose, like what because like you said i think art good art or true art there there is some intended purpose behind it um yeah but um also um yeah you gotta you gotta recenter that purpose or adjust and, and all the rest yeah but yeah there there are ebbs and flows it seems like of putting out things and then also like just doing some of that internal care or reassessment or whatever. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, okay, this is good. So, um, obviously you still have that art out there though. People can buy it. I know. How can people support you or follow you or get, Oh, um, so yeah, basically you can just head over to my Instagram. Uh, it's M V N D E B and the link to my website and store and everything is just in my bio. Yeah, and people, if anybody wants to support me that way, can get prints for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then people can do like tattoos or whatever. Do you want commissions? Oh yeah, those kind of things. Or? Yeah. So, oh yeah, I do commissions pretty much all the time. Um, and as for tattoos, it's yeah, I'm very happy seeing people tattoo my work onto themselves. I usually just ask for them to like buy a digital print first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. Um, other than that, yeah, I love seeing tattoos. People uh, message me with tattoos, like pictures of tattoos and stuff all the time. And I love seeing them. It's actually like a really crazy thing to see like your art on somebody's body permanently. Oh, that's a trip. That, well, yeah. and all the ways we were talking about people taking it with them. Like that's like a, a yeah, yeah, problem. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're telling other people about it if it's exposed. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's like my, my art, the whole philosophy of Memento Mori is about impermanence, but um, like get, I, it's like sort of ironic that people get these things tattooed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It is ironic. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, okay, uh, Mindy, um, again, at M-V-N-D-E-E-P, right? Yep, that's right. On Instagram, perfect. Okay, well, I'd encourage everyone watching and listening to follow you. Um, again, the art is beautiful. It's, it's something to, it, well, you said in some ways maybe it's dark, but there is a beauty to it at the same time, and I think that's why it's so entrapping, is it's doing both at the same time in a really special right. way. So, uh, I'd encourage everyone to follow you. Um, even if it's not as frequent that you're putting things out, it'd be good. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much for this. I had a great time doing Same. this. Thanks for making the time for it. I know we're in crazy different time zones. You're talking yeah. to me from the future because it's tomorrow there. So. <laughs> yeah. It's already June 6th here. So <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thank Yeah. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. I uh, ho hope we get to talk again. Agreed. That'd be good. All right.